Rebellions are built on hope. And welcome to another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Alberto Calderon, and he's back this week. He's our co-host, Oti. Oti Juan Kenobi, thanks for joining us from your trip to Mexico. But it doesn't matter. We have a very special guest down here. Thanks for joining us, author of Cataclysm, Lydia Kang. Lydia, we talked a little bit before we started. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you again for being here in the Rebellion with us today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me today. It's good to be here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're excited, very excited. A little nervous because you're our first <laughs> Star Wars creative out there that we've had on the show officially. So thank you. I guess it's a huge honor, at least for us. So Oh, you're welcome. You. And don't be scared. I will not bite your head off. And it's <laughs> going to be, a, we're going to have fun talk. It's going to be great. Yeah, no leveler out there today. No. Oti, how are you doing? No. You were in Mexico last week. We haven't talked about Vision Season 2, but how are you doing, Oti? Oh, my God. I Yeah, Visions. Oh, my God. Um, I'm doing fine. Uh, I was in Mexico. It was a ton of fun. Um, it was a very, very good wedding and excited to be here talking about Cataclysm. Cataclysm, man. That's a very important book and a great book in the High Republic Phase 2. And who, who better to have a review, Oti? A review of Cataclysm with the author right here, but Lydia, thanks for being here. Before we start, again, happy Mother's Day tomorrow to all the mothers out there that might be listening to us either today, tomorrow, or whenever. Thanks for joining us, and it's YouTube, so you gotta say, make sure that you like this video, comment down below if you're watching this later on the replay, and make sure you subscribe to our channel. Um, and real quick, as you know, we go live every Saturday, but next week we're going to have a special episode on Wednesday at 6 p.m. As senior editor of Random House will be with us, Tom Holler, who will also be joining us next week. That's going to be a great show also. Oti, I'm not sure if we're having a show then on Saturday next week or if that's our only one. I don't know. We'll see. Wait, why are you being a jerk? Come on. <laughs> you want to have, okay, we'll have a show also on Saturday. <laughs> All right, Oti, before we start, who's out there in the chat? We have Buck. He's excited to be here because Ooh. he finished Cataclysm 15 minutes ago. It was so good. 15 <laughs> minutes ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and That's we also great. have Mo, as always. Hi, Prima. Oh, thank uh, you, Mo. Yep. All right. So let's get on it. If you guys are ready, I'm not ready. Let's talk Star Wars. And like we said, it's all of our guests. Lydia Kang, author of The High Republic, Cataclysm that came at the heels of Convergence, basically, and also Battle of Jedi. But Lydia, since it's your first time here, and every time we have new guests, we want to know what their Star Wars story is, how they became a fan of Star Wars. What's kind of your story or your history with this franchise? How did you become a fan of it to then kind of lead you to write a book about it? And hopefully Otto will be back in a few minutes. Sure. So, wow. I grew up with um, Star Wars. It was, um, I watched the first movie when I was really young. I think I was like six years old. And as the movie, every, as every movie came out, they were just like this huge phenomena, like in mm -hmm. my, in my childhood life. And um, once the original trilogy was out, they would get replayed over and over again on television. And so anytime they were on, it was what we were watching. And so I watched it 
you know, pretty much countless times. Like mm-hmm. we didn't have tapes of it or, re- re- you know, recordings of it or anything, but like anytime it was on television, we were watching it. And so every time I, I just, I lost track of how many times I watched the original trilogy. <laughs> and then they just sort of, you know, they're just part of, I mean, I feel like it's a very rare person who lives, um, you know, at least in, in the United States where Star Wars isn't somehow like part of the culture in their lives. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's stuff you say, may the force be with you and, you know, <laughs> enjoying May the 4th, like the actual day and, and, and people wearing t-shirts and getting excited about new movies and stuff. So um, it's just always been a background in my life just since I was a really, really young child. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's interesting how nowadays people who are younger than I am, like much younger, um, they have to choose to enter into like the yeah. Star Wars universe, you know, like how are they going to do it? Are they going to were they like for my kids, they were watching the Clone Wars, right? So that was their entrance into into the Star Wars universe. It wasn't just like um, it wasn't necessarily the original trilogy. So, uh, but for me, it was always there, just always. Yeah, I I and I understand exactly what you're saying because I also Star Wars has always been in my life. I cannot remember <laughs> how it started, but I can really point to it, and but it's always been there. But same thing for my kids. If they watch me or see that I'm watching a Star Wars movie or a TV show, then they'll kind of join in. Like yeah. for my daughter, was Rebels. When I was re-watching Rebels, she kind of mm-hmm. started watching everything. Then I couldn't watch a single episode if she wasn't, wasn't there. <laughs> but I know, Oti, for you, your Star Wars experience was a little bit different, starting with the prequels and kind of... Yeah, it's, for, for me, it's weird because I'm a prequel kid, but I was <laughs> uh, I was a kid when the 95 re-release, so mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. seeing the original trilogy first. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... Lydia, one of the things we were talking about before we started was when you're writing a book and just making sure it connects with all the fans, but sometimes something that we hear in social media and out there is a lot of times, not just for book writers, but for directors, movies, scripts, all that, how they should you know, try not to alienate fans or write what the fans want, but also being an artist, being able to tell your own stories the way that you want to. How do you balance that Wanting, wanting to keep the fans or writing what you think the fans might want to, but at the same time making sure that it's your story and your voice out there. Mm. That's a that's a really good question. I think for me, um, being that this was the first time I was going to be writing like a full length novel mm. in the Star Wars universe, um, I I you know haven't read as extensively in the extended universe. I haven't watched every single you know, animation, streaming, everything that's yeah. out there. I've read, I've, I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't seen all of it. And and so um, in some ways, what I was trying to stick to, I think, was the stuff that, that I really enjoyed as a fan. And yeah. like, the, you know, if you look back to um, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogies, everything, pretty much everything, you know, the, there are a couple of, um, really strong themes that are always there. And those are the things that speak to me. And it's the reason why probably Star Wars is so popular. It's this, it's the constant battle between um, goodness and evil. Um, sure. It's occasionally some, you know, tension, a little bit of romantic tension. It's, um, it's humor. There's always a yeah. little bit of humor in there. You know, it's not, it doesn't overwhelm the story. But it, there's enough of that sort of balance in there. And I think in a lot of cases, like Marvel really sort of did that as well in some of their movies. Like 
that balance of, of, of tension of like really life threatening issues, but that occasional spark of, of, of funny things and interesting droids and that's that sort of thing. It's sort of what I wanted to have. And so as I was writing it, I was writing as a fan sort of like, what would I would find, would I find the scene like really funny? Would I find the scene like just really gut wrenching? Um, and so I, I sort of followed that instinct a lot. Um, I also just knew that the fans were going to expect a lot. You know, this is, sure. um, everyone out there has sets a very high bar for the kind of stories that they expect from Star Wars. And so I knew that I was going to have to try really hard to write a book that was worthy of them. And I kept <laughs> that in mind the whole time. I, I just was like, I don't think anybody does this, but I could imagine somebody might think like, oh, I have a book deal. So no matter what I write, it's going to get liked. I don't have to try yeah. very hard. I don't know anybody who actually does this, but I could imagine somebody <laughs> might, you know, just sort of dial it in. And I, I just remember thinking like, no, I have I have a lot at stake here. Like it's my reputation and and <laughs> the fans and um, this book has to tie up a lot of different things in phase two and launch so that we can get ready for you know, things happening in phase three. So um, I took it pretty seriously and it was really stressful. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Oh, Siri doesn't understand. It's oh, very, yeah. It was very stressful um, yeah. because I want to do such a good job. And mm. whenever I write a novel that it's my idea, you know, I've written like historical novels and young adult and stuff like that. Like the story is all mine. And so if it doesn't do well or the fans aren't happy, like I feel like it's on me. But if mm -hmm. I do a story that's not well-liked or is not well-received or I feel like I let the fans down, I it, it goes above and beyond just me. It goes to yeah. the fandom and this incredible group of people that I work with um, that I don't want to let down either. So all the luminous authors and you know Mike Seglane and Tom Hiller and all these other people um, at Delray, like I just wanted to do the best job that I could. So that was just constantly in the forefront of my mind, which made it really mm. stressful. That's why it was so stressful. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be able to do that. But I, I love hearing that, that you understand the importance behind it and not finding it in, oh, Star Wars is just going to sell. Because I hate when I see people complain about movies or TV show and say, oh, that's bad writing or that. They don't care about this or that. No, you know how much love and like yeah. you say, anxiety and things behind it. Nobody's phoning it in. Yeah. I. I don't know. I wouldn't know if I could deal with that type of pressure. Yeah, it's a, it is a lot of pressure. Um, but at the same time, I, you're very supported. You know, like everybody that I work with, they've just, they're just really wonderful people. Mm -hmm. And they understand, the other Luminous authors, they understand what I'm going through. And yeah. so they were like, you're going to be okay. And you know, <laughs> everything's going to be fine. And, and I always had things, I could always bounce things off of Zoraida. I could always bounce mm -hmm. things off of Kevin Scott. And and so it, it just, I, I didn't feel like I was doing it in a vacuum. I did not feel alone. And that made mm -hmm. all the difference. Right. Oti, before you, you ask yeah. your question, I just highlight a comment real quick from your friend, Oti, Antonio Figueroa oh. saying, hello fam, good to see you all. Hi Lydia, Cataclysm has been my favorite phase two book. And oh. I love Gela so much. I think we all love Gela. On we this, on we this all show love Gela. <laughs> we were nerding out like an hour ago about, about yeah. it. Like, I love her so much. <laughs> I know. Gela's like who we want to be. Like, she's just, like, she's in the thick of it. She's still figuring things out, you know. 
she's got to deal with Axel. Well, I know there's a lot of people <laughs> out there who would just love to be dealing with Axel all the time. Mm -hmm. so, you know. Oh, man. I, 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 have, I have many Axel thoughts, but we'll get to them. Uh, so, Lydia, something that's very interesting to me, um, it's Star Wars is always kind of like a reflection of our real world and not necessarily sometimes the present, but sometimes like historical. And I think that one of the interesting things of phase two is like this thing of the forever wars that people mm -hmm. no longer know why the war started. Like, yeah, maybe something <laughs> happened back in the day. I don't know. I don't remember really <laughs> so that war. How, how do you as an author walk that line of telling maybe like real world stories, but in a Star Wars lens? Oh, you know what? It helps to pay attention to the news and okay. to see what's happening in the world. Um, To, to read about the intricacies of, of politics internationally. And um, that stuff is like, it's the real world drama. And, and a lot of what happens in our world is reflected in Star Wars. And I think that's why we love Star Wars so much because we can deal with some of the stressors that's happening on this planet, but in this sort of safe, like fictional environment where the good guys you know get to really do what they need to do. Um, but yeah, I, it, it is... Um, it's not all fiction, you know, there's truth in fiction, right? And so I, I do pull some of the stressors about that. Like in the, the, the planetary war between Irem and Arano, um, I, I really wanted to, to emphasize the feeling of like, they've been at war for so long that that's more comfortable to them than mm -hmm. peace. Because it's really hard to forgive, you know? It's very mm -hmm. hard to forgive and to move on when you've had all these atrocities and all this this trauma that sort of happened. Fighting, fighting, fighting is sometimes the easier thing to do. Yeah. And so that was something yeah. that I was like, I sort of pulled from real world to sort of like, well, I, I could imagine the leaders easily falling back into that for those reasons. Yeah, I yeah. love a quote. I think it's just word for word, almost what you said, that sometimes war is better, it's easier than More peace comfort. or something. Yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's um yeah exactly and so uh, there were things like things like that and also um, how how difficult it can be to forgive people forgiveness is is something that makes a lot of sense on paper but mm -hmm. in real life because it's so wrapped up in emotion it's very very difficult to do and it's and just between like a couple it's difficult enough but between planets forget it there's a moment in battle of jedi where some of the i don't know if it's iram or Arano, but they were like hey we've been at war for generations and all of a sudden you want me to like forget about it like yeah. my, yes. my family died fighting this yes war. Yeah. i remember that scene in battle jedi and being like oh my god yeah i totally i so, can see why that um it, that that could be so but putting all those um all that really fraught difficult complicated emotion into this into um what was going on was i thought Um, I think made it come alive a little bit more. You know? Okay. Um, yeah. You you mentioned themes earlier before. Um, is I'm very big into the themes of Star Wars. Um, mm -hmm. Is there like a specific theme that inspires you the most most from the franchise as a whole? Oh gosh. I I do think that the 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 good versus evil concept, okay. which is very, very universal is really fascinating to me because um, it's very black and white in a lot of the, in the movies. Um, mm -hmm. But we're seeing in, you know, certain stories, like we're seeing in Andor, you know, that moral ambiguity that I think is really fascinating. And I like the play on um, 
but you might have the best intentions, but you know, the, the means um, that by which you do them, um, you know, justifying the ends, I think is a really difficult thing to watch happen. And so I've really enjoyed how that's been done in Andor. And I know that's controversial because some people really don't like that. Yeah. A lot of people are like, no, 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 good should be good. Evil should be evil. There shouldn't be a moral gray zone, but gray zones are where everybody lives. And so that's why I like, no matter how good a person you are, there's always a touch of gray somewhere, someplace. And I, and I like, I like to be able to, to talk about that. You know, That sounds like something I saw Gerardo would say, like this gray in everyone. We live totally. in this more ambiguity Absolutely. section. That's Absolutely. so Guerrero right there. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, no, that's part of everyday life. Um, <laughs> so b before we get into like uh, directly into the into cataclysm, I wanted to ask you a question because um, I, I started my my studies in pre med. I didn't last one one semester, but my cool. <laughs> my girlfriend's soon to be wife um, is actually an internal medicine uh, resident right now. Oh so my gosh! Wow. There were some hints I caught in the book, <laughs> specifically a. There's a very specific line that I love every time my girlfriend says it, and I read it in the books. I was like, oh, "Wait, wait, what that. was what was the line? Was it uh, um, do, do one, do one, teach do one? one? Yeah, see one, do one, teach one. Yes. So and... I, <laughs> I have a story behind that. I have a story behind that. Oh, okay. So that first of all, I don't know if everybody understands what that means, but so see one, do one, teach one is this um, means of educating oneself in the medical world that is not really done anymore. It's like really frowned upon because nowadays like training should be better. You're really like observed by people who know what they're doing and you get lots of practice before you have a certain level of expertise and then you can teach it. But like back in the old days, there wasn't a lot of supervision and we, it was no joke. Like when I was in my training, it was like, oh, you're going to do a spinal tap, a lumbar puncture. I'm going to teach you how to do it. After this, you're going to be able to do it by yourself. And after mm -hmm. that, you can teach the next intern. <laughs> next year when you're the wow. resident and like that actually happened it did happen and so um i put that line in knowing that it came from this very medical world and i had to put a little um note in my manuscript to tom and to like you know edit anybody who was editorially like reading my thing and i was like just so you know this comes from the world of medicine and we don't really do this anymore but like this is the thing and they were just like oh my god <laughs> It's amazing. It's, That's so it's like a very Star Wars line because Star mm -hmm. Wars is so much about you it know is. teaching yeah. the next generation. So yes. when I read, I was like, "Oh, you're sneaky! You're sneaky!" <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what, what I wanted to know, uh, other there's a, a few moments in the in the book that I was like, "Okay, this is definitely a doctor." But yeah, <laughs> how does your medical career inf influence your writing in any other way? So. Um... It, it influences my writing a lot. I, when I first started writing, I tried to keep my writing world very separate from my okay. doctrine world because I just didn't want them to bleed into each other. And honestly, I was like a little embarrassed because I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be this upstanding doctor who's like trustworthy and very, very professional. And then on the side, I'm like writing these stories about teenagers with superpowers, right? It just didn't feel... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And so I would, I was very quiet about it. I kind of hid it for a while. And then I realized, um, as when I started, when I was a younger writer an earlier writer, um, that I had a lot that I wanted to give back to the writing community because they were teaching me stuff all the time. I was like 
you know, this is when blogs were a big deal. We were like blog hopping all the time. And I would learn like this little bit of like how to write prose or how to do world building from all these other bloggers. And we were all just trying to figure stuff out. And I thought, well, what can I give back? Because I'm clearly not an expert writer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, well, I'm a doctor. I can give out medical advice, but in fictional scenarios. And so I started giving back like um, medical advice. People would ask me questions about, hey, I have the scene and how should I handle this issue, this medical issue? Or is it realistic for this to happen? Like what kind of like injury can land somebody in the ER, but allows them to still be running away from like a vampire two weeks later. So I, I would answer these questions. And, um, and then the two worlds started to blend together. And then by the time I was writing things like um, my historical fiction, like all my historical fiction has like science in it. it has like chemistry, it has poisonings, it has doctors, it has um, sometimes physics in it, stuff like that. And so they really started to bleed into each other. And then I was writing medical nonfiction. So I wrote this book called Quackery, A Brief History of the Worst Ways to Cure Everything, which was about all these horrible things we used to do, like bloodletting and leeches and stuff like that. And so then they really were just combined. And at, at that point in time, there was no pulling away. They were just sort of all smushed together. And, and, um, and now people just sort of know me as like the doctor who writes or the writer who doctors. And I'm, I'm sort of like, I'm okay with it. But it took me yeah. like it took me a while to, to be okay with it. Um, it was a weird thing to have these sort of two identities. And now I'm comfortable just being like a single person again. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome. I got to ask my brother about that. See one, do one, teach one. He's a nephrologist in Puerto oh. Rico. So I'm going to have to call him. Hey, what's all this? See one, do one, <laughs> teach one. I just learned about I, You got to tell me. I think here in Puerto Rico, it's still like that because my girlfriend is <laughs> like med school here and that's where she learned it. But Interesting. Yeah. Well, you'll have to report back on that because I want to know. <laughs> yeah. We will. Uh, I, when I saw it, I took a picture of it and sent it. Is this what you usually say? And she's like, yep. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. She was like, that was written by a doctor. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Let's get into, let's get a little bit into Cataclysm. We all have it back here on our backgrounds a great book with Axel Greylark out there and we'll jump to him in a few minutes but Oti go ahead and start yeah, us off. Yeah so you you already <laughs> talked about working with the with the luminous authors and and and, and a little bit about that but um how, how was it like like jumping into an ongoing initiative that already had this big big fans like talking about it uh how, how was it, it in and of itself that's like a daunting experience i think but being your first star wars book how, how was that how did you like reconcile that in your mind before you start start writing i it was very intimidating um okay. because it wasn't just like hey write the star wars book it was like hey write this star wars book in this gigantic initiative that has already got this entire phase that has done really really well and these authors have all these books under their Felt as far as writing in the Star Wars universe. And so, yeah, I was really intimidated. I was scared. Um, I really, really felt like um, I had so much to learn, but uh, it was helpful not being the only person. So now mm-hmm. it was, George Mann has written in the Star Wars universe and Zoraida Cordova, she has also written in the Star Wars universe. And so, but we were new to the High Republic. And so I wasn't alone from that perspective. Um, but as far as writing in the Star Wars, st- doing Star Wars stuff for the first time, aside from my short story, mm. um, they, everybody was just really nice. They were just sort of like, ask any questions you have, 
no matter how weird you think it is, we're not going to laugh at you. We're going to help you out. And so it was just, they, they were so welcoming to me. There was no question I could ask that was like too ridiculous. And um, I think they were just also really happy to have more, you know, more people on board to sort mm -hmm. of to, to work um, in this phase. And so um, I remember asking like Claudia Gray, like, I was like, what if I don't know, like, I don't know every ship that's ever existed in, in the Star Wars galaxy. Like, what if I, and they're just like, we, that's, that's like easy. Like those things we can help you out with. Like you ask the, you ask the Star Wars world and someone will come up with an answer and help you figure out, you know, and, and there was, I, my, my learning curve was very, very steep. You know, I would have to learn about like, when do I capitalize, you know, this word or, um, you know, like learning that like the Jedi temple in Coruscant is capitalized, but Jedi temple the temple anywhere else outside of Coruscant mm -hmm. is not capitalized. Yeah. Like things like that I would yeah. learn. And, uh, and now I'm just sort of like, it's in my consciousness. Yeah. So, um, but it was, uh, you know, there were several times where I had to be, I had to be reminded of some of these little habits that I have, which were wrong. In the Star Wars <laughs> universe. Like, so like, for example, you like a synonym for dirt is earth. Yeah. So you can't say somebody grabbed a handful of Earth because mm -hmm. Earth doesn't exist in the Star Wars galaxy. <laughs> wow. So any any times I use the word Earth, they would be like, eh. <laughs> like <laughs> stop saying, Lydia, stop saying Earth. And I'd be like, okay, okay, I'm so sorry. Um, but things like that, you know, uh, I just, I had to learn. I had to get used to. And it was just, it's sort of part of your education anytime you start to write um, in the in the franchise. But it was, I thought it was really fun. I was like, look at, look at all this really cool stuff that I'm learning. I just, it was awesome. So yep. I didn't, I didn't mind it. It was a little embarrassing at times, but they, I also was like, look, you, you, you don't know, you got to learn. This is just mm -hmm. part of the game. So yeah. It's so when you try to see when you're writing a droid's name, is it the letters? Do you need to break it down phonetically? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I screwed that up so many times. <laughs> I don't even know if I still truly understand the rules of it because I screw it up all the time. Um, I screwed it up a lot in um, Right Hand Man from a certain point of yeah. view because they would tell me the rules and then I would fix them and then they'd be like, no, you got it wrong. And I'd be like, these are the rules. I don't understand. They're like, no, no, no. It's just dialogue. It's this way. And it's Oh my oh. gosh. So now I just sort of like go with that. Thank goodness for copy editors because um, yeah. oh, I'm sure. everything. And even the people who've been doing this for a million years, like Tom and Mike and all the authors or whatever, like we all make mistakes and it just happens. And you, yeah. that's what copy, that's why we have a group. That's why it takes a village to make one of these books and you're not doing it by yourself. Yeah. And you can see even from the outside, like for us as fans, we see you guys just in social media, how open you are about the whole process and just talking to the fans and everything behind it. So it doesn't surprise me the same, just working together. Was it difficult writing a book that brings connects previous phase two stories and starts setting up what's going to happen in phase three, but still make it a standalone book that someone can pick up and feels like a Lydia Kang book? but still mm -hmm. connect to those previous Star Wars stories, plus set the stage for what's to come in the next coming month. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was difficult, um, but I also kind of knew what I had to do. I knew what sort of things needed to happen in Cataclysm. I made decisions about the plot and characters that I thought would make a good story. And um, ultimately, I was mostly concentrating on making this book stand alone as um, a book worthy to be in this in this universe. So 
I really wasn't like when I was writing it, I wasn't thinking of like, I need to make sure this like, you know, well, <laughs> people can jump from this into phase three. Okay. Yeah. Like I, okay. I actually wasn't thinking too hard about that. I was mostly thinking of like, I need to make people read, like, I want people to be able to read this book and close that book at the end of being like, oh my God, like just take a big <laughs> deep breath of like, what just happened? Like that's, <laughs> that was my goal. And so when well, I was you writing it, it. Yeah. <laughs> So when I was writing it, um, you know, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily putting my voice into it with a, a consciousness. Like I, mm -hmm. I'm just writing and I'm okay. writing what I think is like, you know, a good scene and good dialogue and what's entertaining to me. Um, and luckily, I think that works for what's entertaining to most people. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so. Yeah, like there were moments where I would put things in and I'm like, oh, they're going to cut this out. Like I wrote that <laughs> bit with like, um, you know, Kenny of the Kenny Knight clan, that guy who's in the, mm -hmm. the Pathfinder. And he's such a ridiculous character. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I was just like, I'm putting this ridiculous character in because <laughs> ridiculous people exist mm -hmm. in all sorts of places. Yep. And and I just, and I remember when my husband read it, he just, I could hear, all of a sudden he burst out laughing. And I'm like, what's so funny? And he was like, Kenny. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you're supposed to laugh. It is funny. Yeah. He's ridiculous. And so, um, so yeah, I would just put in things like that, that I was just like, I personally was just like, this just makes me laugh. I'm going to, mm -hmm. I want to do this, or this is going to make me cry. I, and so I would put that in. So I just, um, I, 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 I just, paid attention to what I thought would make for a good story, mm -hmm. like every, every page, every step of the way. Yeah. Cool. No, I, uh, you were saying that you, you wanted people to like close the book and be like, what just happened? And <laughs> for me, like one of those moments was like the book ends with people saying for Hetzel. And I'm thinking about that. Oh. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. I yeah. knew, I knew that people were going to close the book and be like, Oh good God. <laughs> yeah. Here, Hetzel uh, has become like the new Alderaan, right? Every time someone mentions, let's go to Alderaan. No, no, no. let's go to Hetzel. No, what yeah. are you doing? I'm it doing. is. It is the new Alderaan. Oh. It's like, it's funny. Um, but I think it's a very interesting to, thing to go back in time and to go back into history and remember when, like, you know, there was innocence, when there was, like, um, you know, people had no idea what was coming. Mm -hmm. That ha That's just, you could say that through every year of history for, like, the last, like, that, like, they just didn't know what was about to happen. And, yeah. and there's something really special about being able to write that scene when there's, like, all the hope in the world. And that's what mm -hmm. the stories are all about, mm -hmm. right, is just finding hope. Um, but it's the connectivity of, you know, um, of the High Republic that that takes that hope and then just yeah. kind of squeezes it, <laughs> you know, just makes it a little like, oh gosh, Hetzel. So yeah, a little dusty. Yeah. A little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Lydia, can you talk about a little a little bit about your process of writing this kind of book that has you know new characters that you created, mm -hmm. characters that are legendary, like. Master Yoda, who's in mm -hmm. it quite a lot. Yaddle is in it quite yeah. a lot. Um, and also characters that came, you know, from Sorida's book or, or from George Mann's book. Yeah, yeah. I um, actually thought I was going to get in trouble because I put so many characters in the book. And I was okay. like, but they're all necessary. I was like, I, I want Yoda. And we need, I want to have Yoda in the book. I want him to be like sort of an important part of the ending. Um, I, I, I needed to have Creighton and Ada there. Um, 
going off from what happened in Battle of Jeddah. I mean, I think I probably could have not put them in there, but like, how could I not? Like they were still mm -hmm. just bruised and battered and, and upset about what happened. And it just made sense to like throw them into the story. Gela and Axel for obvious reasons. And I didn't want the story of Ziri and Fantu to be over, you know, and yeah. it shouldn't have been over because I mm -hmm. wanted the planets to still, um, you know, the planets were going to still be into in, in turmoil. Um, it, that was a lot of characters. And so, yeah. but I was like, all right, I got to figure out how to make this happen. Um, but I, I remember when I was writing being like, in order for me to do this, it's going to take a lot of pages. <laughs> and I remember turning it in and it was just like, I don't know, it was like 120,000 words and being like, they're oh. going to kill me. They're going to kill me. It's like, this book is going to be so long, but how am I going to tell the story without really doing it well and, and, and getting all these, these kind of points in? So yeah, it was a lot of fun. I loved having some of these marquee characters like Yoda and Yaddle in there that made me very happy. Um, but at the same time, um, I also liked being able to put new characters in there and, and making them really like, um, you know, Elo, like I wanted him to be in there and I really wanted um, um, Sipa Tarko, you know, the youngling that works with Yaddle, like I really wanted her to, to have her, her spot there too. Yeah. So um, yeah, so, so somehow I managed to, to work it out. <laughs> I've never written a book that had so many like characters in it before, so. <laughs> It, it was cool. very well balanced because yeah. I, I love when books jump around characters, but that's something that needs to be like very well crafted because you could get lost like, oh yeah, yes. this guy. But oh yeah, I have something to show you regarding Ooh. that. Um, hold on one sec. This is like, sorry, like an artifact of having written this book, which is that I had so many characters in here I couldn't keep them straight or I had to make sure that I was going to write them in a way that they were actually, you could actually like keep track of them. And so this oh was my God. like one of three storyboards that I had. So this is a storyboard for the final third of the novel and they're all <laughs> color coded. So they're all color coded by um, character on the post-it yes. notes. And then I'm this is like, yeah. <laughs> there we go. So like, we can see a little bit there. Yeah, so here are the here are the the color coded names. This is the funny thing is this is the back of one of my kids' science projects. <laughs> as a, as a yeah. parent, I completely understand. You yeah. gotta make use of it. This is really funny. Like here's the back of it. The conclusion. 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 Uh, science fair. Earthworms prefer being wet to being dry. <laughs> and then on oh, the back wow. of that, I have um, the, the yeah. last third of Cataclysm. Um, written out so that everything actually, and every time I would write something, I would cross it out. So I'd like to cross okay. out the post notes oh, once I got cool. the scene done. Um, but that's how I wow. had to keep track of it because it was like, yeah, it's really funny. There are a couple of things in here, like bring in like Kenny and Pity at the back. And then I have this little, this little thing that says nameless, nameless. Like, don't <laughs> forget nameless. that the nameless like need to show up again. <laughs> and then, um, Oh yeah, and then this is funny. This is the last moment. Sorry, there are spoilers in this, so I apologize. No, that's. I mean, people know okay. this is a spoiler episode. Right, <laughs> and I actually wrote so for the like the final scenes, I wrote Helm's Deep. Oh Helm's wow! From the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> because that was um, some of my that was like some of the feeling of like how I wanted yeah. this, this book to end. It was going to be that Helm's Deep moment where that's... you feel like 
all is lost and like everything is going to pot. Everything is like horrible. And you know, Yoda shows up and Iram and Arano show up and that sort of thing. But like, yeah, that was how I've never had to do that before in a book is uh, do a storyboard. And um, (laughs) it it, it kept me from losing my mind because otherwise it was too many things all at once. Yeah. Thank you so much for that behind the scenes. (laughs) It kind of goes perfectly with my next question. You might have answered some of it already. It's, this okay. book to me was a book of of relationships, of pair. You have Gela and Axel, of course, Axel yeah. and his mother and Keon, yeah. the Republic and the Path, and then Roy and Keen, um, Axel and the mother, and all those different little pairs and relationships mm-hmm. going through. And it, I guess it helped me as a reader. Like you said, there's so many characters, but having those two people just go on their own stories, on their own journeys, kind of help knowing where the action is, what's happening at the moment. Was that part of it to make sure you didn't lose track of it as a writer, plus making sure that the fans and the readers can follow the whole story and don't get lost in all the characters that you're bringing into this book? Yeah, it just, it happened very naturally that there were going to be these sort of dyads, these like couplings mm-hmm. of, of characters. And um, it, it was the constant like, it was the characters together, sometimes working through things, and sometimes it was the characters at odds with each other. Yeah. Um, and there were many of them. Like I think, like for Axel, there were three, right? So there's Axel and Gella, mm-hmm. there's Axel and Kyung, and then yeah. there's Axel and um, Bino or Binot. I always I pronounce his name wrong. Oh yeah. Even though, I, even though I created his name, I don't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> oh man. Because it's because it's B B I N N O T, and it's you you are supposed to pronounce a T like Binot. Except that I took French for like oh. eight years, and so I always want to say Bino and not pronounce the T. Like, yeah, Bino. got a French name, but there's no French in Star Wars anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so Axel had multiple relationships with everybody that had to to go, and then there was another one, which was also like the Jedi and the Republic, right? So the Jedi working with the Republic is a relatively new situation at this phase of the High Republic. And early on, they're like, the Republic's sort of like, the Jedi don't report to anybody. Like, they're sort mm-hmm. of like, a fr- like who reigns them in if something goes wrong? And so there's a trust issue, and you see that tension. And I wanted to play out that tension between Master Yoda and Keon Greylar. A couple yeah. times they talk. They're not really friends until mm-hmm. they become friends before they become more like um, working together well as representatives of the Jedi Council and, and the Republic. So that was another fun one to do because you don't really get to see that as much in the rest of the mm-hmm. franchise because it's just set like the Jedi and the Republic work together. And so it was fun to be able to explore how things were different, you know? Yeah. But you're right, those couplings were made it easier for me to constantly remind the readers like, okay, this is where we are. Um, yeah. But it's a nice setup for both centering you where you are in the story um, and also um, adding tension between the two, you know, so um, just worked out. It's my master <laughs> yeah. plan, but yeah, it worked, it worked, yeah, it out. worked out. I want to highlight this comment from Buck real quick. Mm-hmm. He's saying, I love that leader wrote that ending. They, like it was a George Lucas end this. I could practically see the way George Lucas would have directed that moment with the iris closing on the crowd, like the Phantom Menace ending. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, Lydia, Alberto was telling me that in previous interviews you've mentioned uh, it was very important to have Axel in the cover. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of inclusions of all fans and not just having him just like in the cover and also like writing him in, in the book? Yeah, no, it was really cool. I, I The first time I actually saw um, a preliminary mock-up of the cover, yeah. I got teary-eyed because I was <laughs> like, there is an Asian man on the cover of a Star yeah. Wars book that I have written. And it felt, it was really an overwhelming feeling. And um, and uh, I, I think just for somebody who has grown up with Star Wars and there hasn't been, when I was younger, much younger, now it's a lot better because you do see mm -hmm. a lot of representation um, of so many different people um, in, in Star Wars these days. But um, way back when you didn't, um, mm -hmm. Or they were just like off to the side and, you know, they blew up or something like that. But here, you know, I actually got to put somebody like, you know, face forward um, and was also not like the classic um, sort of, uh, you know, model minority Asian man, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he's a total, uh, he's, a, he's a mess, you know, he's a yeah. total mess. He's very charming. He doesn't do what his mom says. He didn't do well in school. You know, he's just like, he's just, he's such a mess. And I, and, but he's a beautiful mess and he's our mm -hmm. mess. And I, and I, yeah. it was really fun to put him to on that cover. It felt, it meant a lot to me personally um, as an Asian American writer to, to have him there and to also have Kyung Greylark be this very prominent character in the book. Mm -hmm. I also really, really enjoyed that. So, um, on a personal note, this was like a, a very big deal for me. It was wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Did you know he was going to be on the cover or was it a surprise? Uh, I can't remember. I think, I think, um, I think originally I didn't know, like I didn't, when I was set out to write this book, it was like, oh, by the way, like Axel will be on the cover. Like, I don't think I knew that right mm -hmm. away. It, I yeah. think it came out as I was writing it. And then we, we realized that's how the mock-ups were going to be. Um, but um, it was really clear to me that he was going to be a main part of the of yeah. Cataclysm. And mm -hmm. so I wasn't surprised that he was not. Well, once I saw Gil on the cover, I was yeah. sort of like, yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, so it, yeah, I kind of, that, that yeah. made sense. But, Which um, is a great, those two covers together like you have on your background it just works so great I together i know they're so beautiful together i did yeah. um an interview and i put um cataclysm here mm. and i had the other two books up here and somebody <laughs> yelled at me they're just like no <laughs> they go together Dale and axel go together like, Dale and axel need to be together like up yeah. on the shelf like all beautiful <laughs> And so I yeah. changed it and then somebody, and then they saw it and they're like, you changed your books. And I'm like, I did. The fans are like, yeah. yeah. they're like, you know, they belong together. And I yeah. get that. They do. They do belong I, together. They look so pretty together. So. I, I just want to mention that Axel reminds me of my little brother. And I, I adore my little brother, <laughs> but I always tell my mom that he has this superpower where he'll choose the worst possible option ever. Yeah, every single time, yes. and every time Axel had like two choices, I'm like, here he goes. And that's that's my brother to me. Like that he's is always so like, funny. Yeah, yeah. And just when you're like ready to sort of be like, oh, you know, why did you do that? And then they like turn the charm on, and you're like, I forgive mm. you. <laughs> Even Gala's like, oh, that charm. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. It, it's yeah. hard for it's hard to not like him. Although there yeah. are a lot of people who don't like him. There are people, yeah. there are a lot of people who are like, 
he's a scoundrel and he needs to pay for what he's done. Mm -hmm. um, but he's enough of a scoundrel that people just love to love to, you know, enjoy all the naughtiness that is Axel Greylock. So I get it. Yeah, too. Bino yeah I, I think we as fans are like Gela, right? We know that he's wrong for us, but there's something about him. That we, we gotta follow him. We we I know he's doing something. There's that charm. There's something there that when we're together, we gotta see where it takes us. Um, I mean, so, it's hard to say no. <laughs> Wonderful. It's like yeah. having like a gigantic chocolate cake and be like, I shouldn't, but yeah, just a little gigantic more. Gigantic chocolate cake. How can I say no? You know? Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna go to waste. Exactly. Um, so we talked a little bit about Axel. Let's talk about his mom, Great Chancellor Keon Greylark, which mm -hmm. on your dedication page on Cataclysm, you mentioned that your mom is the original Keon Keon Greylark. Yeah. Yeah. Was there the, your mom? Did, did you use as an inspiration for the way you wrote this character? Um, not entirely. So um, when we were trying to think about who, what the name of the chancellor was going to mm -hmm. be, um, I said, how about Kyung Greylark? And Kyung is part of my mother's name. And okay. so I just pulled it nice. out and they were just like, oh, that's a great name. And I was, I don't think I even explained it. I was like, how about Kim? And they were like, that's fine. And then later on, I was like, you know, that's my mom. And they're like, that's even, that's even better. It's like super cool. Um, so is, is Kyung Greylark like my mom? Not exactly. But um, some of the, you know, some of the things that I think I pulled about her is that, you know, my mom, my mom came to the United States in the mid 1960s with no friends, no family, mm. could not speak any English and got married and immediately had a baby. And so it was maybe one of, I don't know how she survived that. It was, yeah. I don't know how I would have survived that, but she was a survivor. You know, she made it work. She worked really, really hard um, to take care of her family and to exist in a culture that didn't necessarily want her here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I pulled some of that strength from her um, and Kyung is like somebody who like, she just, she gets stuff done and she will, she does things without apology, knowing that it yeah. is like the thing to do. Um, and there's something like sort of relentlessly strong about her that I just knew was going to just leap off of the page. So yes, a little bit of it was taken off of my mom, but like, uh, yeah, my mom, <laughs> they're not exact. They're not the same person at all because Kyung's <laughs> fictional and I got to really have fun yeah. with her in a lot of ways, um, but she was so much fun to write and probably one of my favorite characters to write in the book. Yeah. I wonder what, what would Axel gave, give his mom for Mother's Day tomorrow? That'll be, be good. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it depends on what, what part of the book, right? Yeah, that's so right. If it's early in the book, the it would be something <laughs> really, really ridiculous, like an over the top, a very expensive, like, piece of jewelry that was probably ill begot from like mm. a gambling den and yeah. <laughs> Hyung would probably receive it and be like, oh. yeah. and then she would probably return it to the mm. civilization from which it had been stolen. <laughs> yeah. That's, what, that's, that's how that would go. That's how yeah. Mother's Day would go. And yeah. then she would be really, what I would prefer is if you had came home, and we had a nice dinner together and she's like, and he would be like, nope, can't do that. I'm <laughs> in the middle of something very important and it would be something super dangerous. So that's probably how Mother's Day would go if it was <laughs> the beginning of Cataclysm. Yeah, it might, it might be like a, a little rough. Yeah, convergence or something like that, yeah. Yeah, I love the tweet that you put out a couple of hours ago about that three stages of Keon Greylark <laughs> in Cataclysm <laughs> through Michelle Yao is perfect 
Perfect. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I did like, I really could see her in my brain when I was writing her. Cause like she has that wiry sort of like ability to, to, to fight and fight dirty if she has to. <laughs> yeah. um, but at the same time, like you see her in these other um, roles, like in um, like crazy rich Asians where she's got all her clothes on and she is a mask of <laughs> like perfect civility yeah. and power and she's like an ice goddess you know and i just love that kyung can totally do these different characters mm -hmm. like just like um, michelle did in so many of her movies so yeah that was her without there's like the stage one there's a stage two without the makeup yeah. and then there's mm -hmm. a stage three yeah. where she's kicking ass I don't know. And I yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> awesome. yeah i know uh, with a little garden in between yes exactly <laughs> Let's talk about Yaddle a little bit more. Um, so you talked about writing those kinds of character. Uh, were you like a big Yaddle fan that you were like, she has to be in the book? Or was that just like, this would be random. Just, just put her in. <laughs> I was a little bit of a Yaddle fan in that I was like fascinated by her. And there's not a whole lot that's known about her. And so she was a mystical kind of character. Um, so I was a fan from that standpoint. Like, you know... Mandalorian had been out for some time and so everybody knew about Grogu and it was sort of exciting because it was like oh my gosh there's another baby Yoda out there and it was yeah. like there's more than like have you guys forgotten that Yaddle showed up like in the prequel trilogy and so mm -hmm. so from that perspective I was sort of like I really wanted to have her have more time on the page because she hadn't gotten very much exposure um, so that was really fun to do and I was initially going to put her in just like a little bit And um, I ended up putting a lot of her into the book. Yeah. And I I'm was glad really glad that I could do that. That was fun. I will um, say, Oti mentioned before we started, right, that he read the book twice. And we said that's, that tells you how much he loved this book. <laughs> For me, I'm going to say I All was right. never a Yellow fan. When she showed up in the, in the new uh, shorts that's that they did a few months. Yeah. I wasn't, okay, Yaddle's there. I love Yaddle in Cataclysm. So you made me a Yaddle fan. So that's Aww. that's me telling you how much I love this book is that every I, scene that Yaddle was there, and I love quotes when I do my reviews. I mm -hmm. had to pull back not to put, put all the Yaddle quotes because she was so great. Oh, right. so great. Sorry, uh, this guy, oh, he's, he's, uh, he keeps hitting my leg because he wants to oh. sit on my lap. So he's going to sit on my lap for a little while. There you go. Um, Thanks for joining us. This is Sawyer. Say hi. Hi, Sawyer. Hi, Sawyer. Hey. The other one is Piper, and I named a planet and a species after her, but she's not around. Uh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's um, yeah. That was fun. But yes, I, I had so much fun writing Yaddle. Um, <laughs> I didn't have to think that hard about <clears throat> what kind of person she was going to be, <laughs> what kind of Jedi she was going to be, and... Um, what kind of frustrations she would have. It was just like, it's just like, as soon as I knew that I was going to put her in there and I was going to write <clears throat> a, a youngling to go with her, it was almost like it had written itself. Like I, I just yeah. knew exactly how that was going to play out. So it worked out great. I was very happy about that. Yeah. And then Sipa's great with her. Just, yeah. Like any kid, he just shows up when you stay there. And eh, they're not going to stay there. Oh my I'm God. Sure. <laughs> I love that relationship because she's always... You expect Yoda, oh, this younglings, and he, he attacks her, and she's, like, a little bit annoyed with him, and there's points yeah. where she's like, this is why you need mentoring. <laughs> yeah, 
exactly. This is why you need a special, like you need mm -hmm. extra special like uh, classes and adventure. <laughs> You're a problem. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, writing Sippa and imagining what kind of person she was and um, knowing that she came from like a place like Arcania where people tend to be a little haughty and full yeah. of themselves kind of a thing and they wanted to pull some of that into yeah. there too so um are right, you down you ready to go down that was enough okay hi <laughs> just wanted to show up you just wanted take to this, yeah take your spotlight <laughs> away uh, so you mentioned earlier about making sure to bring siri and fan two against we just had the convergence trying to continue yeah. that story how was it why did you want to bring them and not just yeah they're married everything's fine but going through all these stages you're newlyweds having to deal with all the the back and forth and the conflicts that we that come just with being married especially someone that you just met a couple of months ago mm -hmm. plus being at this at the opposite sides of this ongoing war that keeps going why did you decide to bring that challenge i guess uh, to you as a writer to make sure that they're there and they're a big part of this book also yeah um I, I knew that like we, I knew that like Iram and Arano were going to become a, a big mess again in this book. Mm -hmm. So I, so when I, when I knew that was going to happen, it made sense that Ziri and Fantu were going to be in the thick of it. And it, it, it's a natural um, progression, I think, to imagine what life is like as, as a married couple or as a committed couple. Um, because a lot of times uh, the beginning parts are very romantic, you know, they don't see mm -hmm. eye to eye, but then they fall in love and then there's the yeah. wedding. And a lot of, I think in, at least in, you know, um, American culture, like the wedding, so much energy goes into like this, the wedding, like the dress and where is it going to be? Yeah. And what's everything going to look like and the pictures and everything. And it's like everything that comes after that wedding day is so much work. And I think it's mm -hmm. a lie for people to imagine that it's a happily ever after. It's not, every single relationship takes an enormous amount of work. And it's a very lucky couple that never fights and everybody agrees on everything and there's like zero conflict. I just feel like that mm -hmm. doesn't exist, right? So I was gonna be very true to that and say and imagine, well, if you were the prince and princess of two <laughs> planets that came back at war, what problems would you have? And <laughs> some were gonna be just on a relationship level, like yeah. communication and the whole concept of like, we have to be on the same page all the time, but also about like how do those allegiances change when your when your planets are at war again? So it was going to be difficult for them, and I knew mm -hmm. it was going to be a little hard. So that was um, going to be built into the conflict that they they were going to have. So it was, it was pretty natural yeah. Um, yeah. to imagine that because it's like pretty real life, honestly. What's your your wedding outing? It's coming up. Oh, it's so a year and a half away. <laughs> yes. So, you'll, be, you'll do great. A little bit fine. of advice. <laughs> Remember yeah. that there's a, the after wedding, which is mm -hmm. probably more important than the we've, actual wedding. We've already <laughs> been together for nine years, so it's like... Okay. Oh, you figured out a lot already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are way ahead of where Ziri and Fantu are. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> yeah. At least there's not a war going on between your two planets. Or... Exactly. Uh, so, Lydia, as we start kind of closing up a little bit, especially our talk on Cataclysm, mm -hmm. what was the hardest scene to write? Was there one that was difficult to crack or just too emotional, just became harder to write? Mm. That's a good question. What was the hardest thing to write in this book? Um, 
I think um, the beginning of the book was hard. The setup was hard um, mm -hmm. because I know so much was built upon that setup. And if I didn't do it right, I was going to lose readers in the beginning. Yeah. So that was probably the hardest part because I thought once I get the action going and I set things up that all roads are going to lead to Donna, I was like, it's going to go at a steady clip. So I kind of knew mm -hmm. it was going to be hard work, but like once I got a certain place in the book, the pacing was going to take care of bringing the readers where they needed to go. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so the beginning of the book was probably the hardest part of me. And okay. it was longer originally, and I had to cut a lot of it out of it <laughs> because it was just slowing the pace. Mm -hmm. um, so that was probably the hardest thing. Yeah, the second hardest thing was deciding who was going to die in the book. <sighs> Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't want to get into it. Oh man, it's, um, it's every time. Every time we know we know someone's gonna die, it still hurts. Still I know. Hurts. I mean, the thing is that like the book is called Cataclysm, so <laughs> <laughs> you kind of knew before you yeah. opened the book up that it was gonna be really, really tough. And mm -hmm. you also know that like the Battle of Dalma is called the Night of Sorrows. Like you knew people well, knew ahead of time, right? So mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? It would be completely unrealistic if every person going into this battle survives. Yeah. I, it's like, that's not going to happen. And so I knew that I knew that there were going to have to be casualties and I had to make really, really hard decisions on who those people were going to be. Um, and I, for real, cried every time I wrote or had to rewrite or had to edit or oh. copy edit scenes because they were hard for me to write. Like you get attached to the characters and it's sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's something, at least for myself, I never thought about it because as readers, we do get attached to those characters. And when Stan and Dios went down, I cried also. Yes. But yes. it's an Orin. I love Orin so much. I know, I know. And I, I feel so bad. He, like I, his, his dad jokes are. <laughs> I'll just say that. I didn't feel yeah. that sad when he died because the minute I started falling in love with him, I was like, you knew. they're going to kill oh, him. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny yeah. that you knew. You just yeah. knew. I know. And I was like, oh. he's so dead. <laughs> You're like, he's a wreck. Oh, man. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Be no without tea or without the tea while you have a poison glove. He's such oh, an man. idiot. <laughs> I know. Um, he's a he's a terrible person. He was so mm -hmm. much fun to write. That, oh my god, that <laughs> part that part at the end when he meets again with Fanto and he's like, "Bro, we can work this oh, out." Yeah. Like, are you really trying to pull this off? Like, <laughs> are you like seriously? Seriously? And there's like yeah. this like little glitchy moment where like Al, uh, you know, Axel sort yeah. of like, and then he's like, "You never no, know. No. You don't know." No, no, no. Yeah, yeah I, you don't, don't exactly know. Right? I was yeah. I, I, I was waiting for Axel to be like, "Bro." Well, cool. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> no, God. Not this time. Not this time. Yeah. But um, thankfully, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's terrible. But like, you don't get you don't get to hurt the droid. You know. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I felt I felt really bad about that too. Really bad. That, that sucked. That sucked. Yeah. Um, Dead. So, Lydia, as I said, I'm big on the themes. Is, is there like one one theme, lesson, or message that you would just like everyone to take away from this book? Hmm. Oh gosh. Um, it would probably be that there are many different ways that you can parent someone. And I don't mean necessarily biologically okay. somebody, mm -hmm. right? So there are, there's a relationship between Kyung and Axel. There is a relationship between the mother of the open hand and Axel. There is a relationship between Master Yaddle and, and Sippa. 
And honestly, Master Yaddle with several of the other Jedi, right? Yeah. Um, Mother's Day is coming up. It's a hard <laughs> day for a lot of people. But I think there's a lot of people who have mother figures in their lives and they deserve recognition. And yeah. I think that happens here in Cataclysm. And there is, it's, it's a little bit of, I think, a study in how to do it right and how to do it wrong in a lot of ways. So, um, and it wasn't even a theme that I purposely intended to broadcast in the book until after it was over when somebody was just like, all the moms in Cataclysm. And I was like, oh yeah, I did do that, didn't I? Yeah. So I think, I guess since Mother's Day is coming up, it's something to think about um, mm -hmm. for, for all the people who have moms, who don't have moms, who have surrogate moms, um, and for all the moms out there who are just, you know, trying mm -hmm. to do their best, like, um, you know, something to, something to consider for this mm -hmm. weekend. Two yeah. moms. <laughs> Great message to moms out there. All right, that brings an end to our cataclysm questions. We just had a couple of random ones that as we're running out of time, I'll say most of these came from Oti, blame him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, so just some, some fun random questions out there. Okay. Um, so Lydia, we're all here fans of the silly in Star Wars. What's the silliest thing in Star Wars that you just love? No, the silly, oh, the silly thing that I love. Um, I tend to like the funny little animals that show up in Star mm. Wars. And so like, I think the, okay. por the porgs Ooh, were really funny. Like when Chewie's eating a porg, <laughs> a porg kebab, it's oh, just yes. like so ridiculous, but it was like, it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, those animals, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, you, can, you can blame me for yeah you can blame me for everything it's fine okay. one box here you're just gonna blame Alti. okay uh is there a specific time period in star wars outside the high republic that you would like to write in you know i i've been thinking about that i think it would be really fun to write more during the prequel trilogy era and i know okay. that there's a lot that's already in there like stuffed yeah. between the different mm -hmm. movies I, I know that but there's also been so much that's been written, I think, like in the original trilogy that I don't know if there's like that much more left to write. Yeah. But I think there's still pockets in the prequel trilogy era um, that would be really exciting to explore. So I would say that. Okay. If you could hang out with one Star Wars character or creature, who would it be and why? Maybe a pog before Chewie cooks it. <laughs> a furry Any, anybody. Like, so it could be a character, not just like a little uh, creature. Anything. Or anything. Yeah. Anything, anything, anybody. Um, well, I would normally say Yaddle, except I hung out. I feel like I hung out with Yaddle oh. a lot in this book. I'm not going to say Yaddle. Um, oh, you know who I would like to hang out with is like um, Maz Kanata. Because she is, Ooh, nice. she's seen so much. And I would love to like take her out to dinner, <laughs> buy her a very, very strong drink and let her tell me some like insider stories about all this <laughs> stuff that she's seen because there's probably so there's stories. A lot. But that's who I would pick. Which she knows the, so much. There's a moment in Poe Dameron Freefall where she like shows up and she asks him like, hey Dameron, have you ever done drugs? And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what am I, I, I or, or yeah, it was so weird. All of a sudden God. she like pops up, drops that question and leaves. I'm like, what? You're like, what? So, yeah. You know that like Maz has seen and done so many things yeah, and yeah. he has so many secrets. So I would just want to, <laughs> I would want to pick her brain about all these different things. I think she knows way too much. 
Yeah, I don't know. She might not need that many drinks to probably. get to open up. I don't know. Up. I think her tolerance is probably up here. Yeah, it's pretty high. So she would probably be like, sure. And then I would be the one who gets drunk and tell her all my secrets. <laughs> yeah. And then at the next we'll day, I would fire. be like, what just happened here? <laughs> it was Mascanada <laughs> here somewhere. Why are we I in know. Scarif? Like, <laughs> I know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lydia, you, of course, have the medical angle. But is there anything else about 2-1-B that drew you in to write uh, the right-hand man story? That was the one story or angle or character that I felt most comfortable writing. Ooh, okay. um, and I was, because remember how I told you I was like a little scared to write a novel mm. in the High Republic? Well, when the short story opportunity came up, I was really scared to write something at all. Because this was really, that would be my absolute first time writing mm. anything for Star Wars. And so I was think I was like thinking through the movie and I'm like, which character do I feel like has an interesting backstory, or at least I could open up that little piece of time and explore a little bit more. And I was like, oh my God, there's medical personnel, like a couple <laughs> times that show up here. And I'm like, I know how they feel. I know what they're doing. And as I was watching it, I was like, oh, it totally makes sense that there is this window of time between when um, Luke Skywalker gets his hand cut off and he's just learned about his dad and then the end credit scene where he's like got his hand around Leia and they're looking at the viewport hmm. and they're like, they've got hope in their face. And I'm just like, he was in despair in the last <laughs> scene and now he's okay. And I was like, what happened between the two? And I was like, oh, he was hanging out with a medical doctor. <laughs> so I was like, let's explore that. And I felt a little bit less scared doing that because I'm like, I know how to do this part because this is my job. Like, I, hmm. I can do this. So I owe a lot to 2NB. Like, for giving me the comfort of being able to explore what he was doing. And I'm just really glad that that was a great, it was a great entrance into the Star Wars universe for me. It made a lot of sense, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, droids, we can't blame droids. They help us so much. Some I love best. droids, I love them. They're like sometimes their best part of like so many scenes yeah. because they're just incredible, yeah. Mm -hmm. They are. All right, Lydia, again, thanks for being here. My final question is, you mentioned the acknowledgement page, watching Andor. Uh, mm. Do you enjoy the other TV shows? Are you like us that wakes up at three in the morning to avoid all the <laughs> spoilers? Are you normal and just wait till get your coffee in, watch it later in the day? I, um, I think just because my schedule is so busy, I can't always do that. Like mm -hmm. I can't watch it the second that it comes out. So. Um, I, I'm really good at avoiding spoilers though. And okay. actually, honestly, people, um, the fans are really good about not spoiling things or they mm -hmm. write spoiler and sort of like, so I, I know how to stay yeah. away from things. Um, but I have like, you know, I have enjoyed Andor so much. I cannot wait for the next season. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been really, really enjoying Mandalorian and, you know, we watched, I watched Obi-Wan, I watched, um, Book of Boba Fett. So I've, I've been having so much fun with so much of the streaming content that's been going on. I, I love all of it. There's just not enough time in the day yeah. to watch everything. There's so much. So that's mm -hmm. my only, I wish I could clone myself and watch many, many <laughs> things at once. So it's just like so much yeah. out there. So many good things. So There's so much stuff. We, we even had a part of our, on our show that we added just to talk about like, the Rings of Power, House of the Dragons, but then we had the Mandalorian and Ando, everything going at the I same know. time. It's like, we can't. It's too there's much. There's too many things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and there's also just like a lot of like things that you want to read that are just outside mm -hmm. of all of these fandoms that, you know, there's so many great books and yeah, 
It's too much. There's so much. It's, it's a wonderful problem to have. <laughs> so much, yes, so much good is. stuff out there. So mm -hmm. much good content. Um, and then on top of all that, like I have to be writing. And so that takes up a chunk of time and <laughs> pulls me away from certain schedules where I can't watch things on time sometimes. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, again, good problem to have. I can't <laughs> All right, and a good problem to have was to have you here today through our anxiety that me and other have been feeling the past few weeks, but Aww. I can't speak for him. He will let us know, but I love every second of this. Thank you so much for being here with us, answering all our questions, and giving us that little behind the scenes of how everything works with all the characters, trying to make sure everything stays together. And also, like you mentioned, you get attached to those characters that when you have to write them off, it's emotional, it's something me as a fan, don't think about this. Oh, why did they kill this person? I'm crying here. No, it also affects you. But again, thanks does, for being yeah. here so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you guys so much for having me today. It was a yeah. lot of fun. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. As we start to say, by your author, you want to add anything else? No, I, I just want to say congrats on the book. I know it came out a while, but I, as I told you before, it, I freaking loved that it. It, <laughs> it was such a blast to read and then read it again. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, no, it's I, I'm dying to see what you do next in, yeah. in this world. So, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. More to come, more to come. All right. So, Lydia, again, thank you for being here. Everyone out there, make sure to grab Cataclysm. You can see him behind all of us. And if you're not a fan of the High Republic, Phase Two is a great way to start. Um, by a family, there's a lot out there. And some people are, it's a little bit daunting. Where do I start? Phase two is a great way to start because you can mm -hmm. kind of start from blank. But Lydia, where can people find you out there on social media? Anything that you're working on that people can kind of expect or just where can they follow you? Sure. Um, so you can find me on Twitter, uh, Lydia Y. Kang. I'm on Instagram at Lydia Kang. And I have a website, LydiaKang.com, where I will put some more news about things. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Buck. Um, and um, as far as things that I'm working on next, um, it's already been announced, but I will be writing a set of serialized short stories mm. in Star Wars Insider Magazine. And they're going to start up in October. It's going to be called Chronicles of the Occlusion mm. Zone. So um, that's going to be my phase three work. So you'll be seeing my short stories come out. So if you're not, if you're not um, getting Star Wars Insider, it's time to start. <laughs> my books are coming out there. Yeah. And, I'll, and I will see you there. Phase three, Oti. I'm not ready for it. I just finished. <laughs> I, I finished Pass of Vengeance the other day. I, I need know. to. I need, I need to get into it because I didn't want to start before today. But as soon mm -hmm. as we hang up, I'm starting it. There we go. All right, we Oti. You know I need to ask every uh, time. But where can, can people find me? me? At Twitter and Instagram, whatever it says down there, and <laughs> yeah, just hit me up and we'll chat. All right, thanks everyone that made it to the chat. Uh, Buck, for your questions and your comments down there, Mo and everyone else. Oti, as always, we'll see you next week. Like I said, Wednesday, special episode at 6 p.m. Eastern with Tom Holler will be here. Another fun Tell interview. Him I say hi. We will. <laughs> we will. We will definitely will. But Lydia, again, from the bottom of our hearts, thanks for being here. Happy Mother's Day to you. And hopefully, we can do this again sometime Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Sometime soon. All right, so Bye everyone guys. out there. Thank you. Stay safe. Be safe. Happy Mother's Day. May the force be with you.